I've set up in a global financial crisis. I've had a pandemic to compete with an oil price crash. So I've learned that, uh, and apt that it's the name of your podcast, Mark, but I've learned that resilience is mm. the greatest virtue that I need in people as well. Welcome to the Resilient Recruiter Podcast. This is your host, Mark Whitby. And my very special guest today are Dan Matthews, who's joining us from New York, where it's 6.30 a.m., and Justin McGuire, who's in Singapore, where it's 6.30 p.m. And Dan and Justin are owners of DMCG Global, which is a dynamic and very fast-growing recruiting business operating internationally. I'm really excited about this conversation. Dan, Matthew, welcome. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having us, Mark. It's nice to uh, have a chat with Justin as well. We're kind of opposite ends of the day, 12 hours apart. So we try and talk and collaborate as much as possible. So it's nice to be in dialogue as well. All right. Fantastic. So I understand that the business has come about through a merger of two separate businesses. Would you guys sort of just start at the beginning and tell us the story of uh, how this is all come about maybe you can you can get things started dan yeah um i mean dmcg global is actually a new business that's been created between the founders of daniel marks mcg and co and 720 um so that's kind of just been launching now the website literally went live last week um but the relationship between i suppose me and justin goes back probably like 20 30 years to be honest we both knew each other we grew up in leatherhead a small town in surrey um, family, friends, uh, our mums still speak to each other. I think they actually met this week for coffee um, to share stories. And we've always been in dialogue, actually. And I had my London office, uh, Daniel Marks, and Justin had MCG in Dubai. Uh, and we were always in dialogue. If I was in Dubai, we'd meet up. If he was in London, we'd meet up. Um, and I ended up going west to New York and the States, and Justin ended up going east to Asia. And the dialogue continued, and we thought, wouldn't it be good to do something together um, utilizing our strengths and skills and, and territories. I didn't have the time or the uh, energy really to go east as well and likewise for Justin to go west. So sort of to collaborate and form like an alliance um, as a global entity seemed like a really good idea. And when we met Alan, who runs 720 in Australia, that was like the final piece really. So we all came together to create DMCG Global, which was literally launched about a month ago, technically. Fantastic. So wait a sec, let me get this clear. Justin, you guys were friends when you were boys. Yeah, so we've known, Dan and I have known each other for a very long time. Uh, Firstly, our parents are friends, as Dan said. So um, I don't think we, you know, when we were younger, we sort of planned this out, that we would both (laughs) end up jumping into the same career. But it was quite amusing that we ended up literally doing the same thing and Dan, uh, Dan, you know, had, had set up a very similar business to what I ended up setting up in, in Dubai. Um, and then, you know, as, as, as our business grew, um, we, we sort of carried on talking. And I think we, we also both realized the challenges of growing a business as independent owners and not wanting to stretch your wings too far. You know, I think that was, that was something that Dan and I quickly realized as, as owners as well. So the idea of collaboration and um, building a global empire sort of was something that we both fancied, but realized that we were both restricted by our geographical location. And, you know, I was very lucky that I have a, a business partner in Adam that I met um, and joined the business as a partner sort of three years ago. And he's been in Hong Kong. Uh, so when I was in Dubai, he was growing out the Asia business. And then we got to meet uh, Alan, who, um, who had a pretty much identical sort of um, sector-wise business to Dan and myself in Australia. So it just felt like it was it made perfect sense for us to, uh, once we'd all have a conversation, to align and and build you know something that could be a global um, entity. It's, wow. it's we were saying just before the problem that uh, we've both got very long days because Justin is Dubai in the morning and then Asia right into the evening. And I've got UK very early in the morning for me. And then East, the West Coast is later in the day for me. So we've both got very long days already. So yeah, I don't know how someone would <laughs> cover the whole globe on their own. Uh, it's, it's nice to break it down. Absolutely. Um, it makes total sense. But, but wait, I want to really nail down this origin story because 
Like, did you guys go in, both decide together, like, let's get into the recruitment industry? Or was that just complete coincidence? How did, how did that pan out? Justin? It, total coincidence, Mark. <laughs> I would be lying if this was a strategic teenager decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it, it, because it wasn't at all. It was literally the fact that um, both of us, you know, I ended up going into the PR and communications industry um, when I left school and Dan, um, you, Dan went into recruitment, um, but in another completely different part of the world, Dan was in Australia. So we were, we were doing quite separate things. Um, and it was only from sort of beyond, and forgive me if I'm wrong, Dan, but I think it was from about sort of 2014, 2015, that we started really sort of talking about potential collaboration Mm. Um, and then by that time, both of our businesses had, uh, in our respective areas, had had a bit of runway between us. Yeah. I remember getting a call from Mama saying, oh, do you know Justin France? And he set up a recruitment business in Dubai. I was like, oh, no way. That's, that's great. Um, I'm in Dubai. Um, had friends there. Uh, my wife has friends there. Um, so next time I'm over, I'll give him a call. When I swung by her offices and said hi, went for a beer. I was like, you know, this is a very similar setup to what I've got in London. <laughs> This is this is great. Um, you know, maybe I'll come and work here for a bit. <laughs> you know, maybe I'll come in London. Before. Well, I said, we really should collaborate. But then at the time, you know, maybe I was going to go to Dubai with an office and London, Justin was considering maybe London for office. Well, well, let's just see how we go. We kept the conversation going sort of on and off, meeting up every few months for a beer when I was in Dubai or Justin in London for, for a couple of years, actually, a few years before we actually started to sort of formulate a plan based on our territories that were becoming more established where they were. But the the thing that blows my mind is that you actually are in the same sectors as well, which is advertising, marketing, communications, PR, media, that sort of thing. What that just seems like a massive coincidence. Yeah, it is. A, it is a big coincidence. There's no denying that, Mark. And 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 like I said, it, we didn't write the script beforehand. It sort of it just happened. Um, and, and I think also what accelerated the conversations of doing, of setting up this new business and, and the collaboration was the fact that both Dan and I, you know, for, particularly from my side, there was a bit of trial and error involved. You know, I, when I was in Dubai um, building the business there, we, we opened up Asia, but we also set up a London office and, and we closed it within a year. And I very quickly realized that if you're in the emerging world or somewhere like Dubai, you know, um, trying to grow a business in Asia and London at the same time, uh, as well as continue to run your Dubai business, was 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 a, a lot to do. And you know, I think Dan was was talking to me about potentially, as he said, opening up Dubai and Asia. And you know, I think really, I think we both realised there's limitations to what one person can do given their time zones, etc. And also finding people, so it was yeah, it was it was completely coincidental, but we were really lucky, <laughs> and it's as simple as that. Your background That's was in marketing, amazing. wasn't it, Justin? So for you, it's a sort of a natural segue to go into the recruitment of marketing personnel and Dubai being quite a strong in the PR comms side of the you know the business. It seemed probably for you, it was a natural segue to do that in that space. Yeah, it was, it was, um, yeah, I, I worked in the industry for seven years. So, uh, you know, and I was working in digital content, you know, I worked in broad TV, radio, then digital content. And basically um, no one knew what I did when I went to a recruitment consultancy. So it was, <laughs> I saw there was, might be a gap in the market and that's, I then moved uh, into recruitment and loved it and, uh, and then got the opportunity to go to Dubai. Fantastic. I was, so, I was actually in Sydney at the time when I was doing different recruitment, uh, uh, finance, accountancy, and uh, the business was looking to open up new business units. And there's a list of options like procurement, um, logistics, marketing, and advertising. And my family's always been in, in advertising, marketing, PR, and it just naturally appealed to me. So I said that that one would be the one for me. And I grew that that sort of business unit in Sydney um, for a couple of years uh, before I moved back to London to do to do this. Amazing. So what's the sort of, with the Having joined forces and you've got Alan in uh, Australia, you've got Adam in Amsterdam, what's the sort of size and shape of the business today? Um, uh, actually, Adam's in Hong Kong. Sorry, um, and, I'm sorry. Uh, Natasha Stark um, is in Amsterdam, Tash. Um, so, yeah, um, you know, the territory-wise, we've got 10, 10 territories, uh, Brisbane, Perth, 
we've got a JV in Sydney between all three of us, um, which is launching soon. Um, uh, Hong Kong, Singapore and Dubai is Justin's remit. Um, and uh, Amsterdam, London, uh, New York and LA, uh, sort of West Coast is, uh, is my remit. There's 10 territories now. Amazing. And, uh, and how many p- people do you have in the team currently? 40, 50. Yeah. Uh, we had yeah. two people join the London office just this week, actually. So um, I think we're around about 40 or 50. Um, the re- yeah, the re- <laughs> it's like, we don't know how many. <laughs> no, no, the <laughs> only reason really so we, we put a few job offers out and, um, and look, we've recently done the, um, the created a new business and sort of Dan and I have both been quite aggressive on our sort of hiring um and also i think we let's not ignore the fact that we're in the middle of a pandemic so right. quite a few of the people that we've um spoken to will will be sort of looking to kickstart well from my side at least um and from the stuff that we're doing in sydney will be in the new year so it's also, yeah. do you mean like uh consultants or, or support staff because they can't well, either you yeah. have around around 20 uh, recruiters uh, partners in London with with four or five sort of support staff, operations, finance, marketing, uh, another admin manager, community manager. So I mean, sort of probably forty partners, recruiters, and an additional ten sort of support staff. Got it. Yeah. No. Absolutely. That's that's fantastic. So, um, what for you guys? Let's. I mean, let's address the elephant in the room. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Um, you know, many, many recruitment businesses have been hit very hard by this. What impact has it had for you guys and how have you responded to that? Um, and I know it's different for both of you. So, Justin, do you want to start and then I'll, I'll ask Matt the same question? Um, yeah, look, I think it's um, from, from our side, we started the year like, like most people in sort of January, February, March. We were running on... Um, regular regular fuel <laughs> then the um then well, we were we were aware this thing was going on in china and our hong kong business had already been impacted by the riot so actually the riot sort of masked the fact that this pandemic was brewing in china and then in by march i knew it was pretty serious and i actually got on the phone to dan and i remember the call very clearly and said be careful, there's a thunderstorm coming. And I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like this before because about mid-March, we saw pretty much everything go on hold. Um, But I will say for Singapore, um, Hong Kong and Dubai is that after that initial whack, we sort of sprang back to life quite quickly. And our, you know, our, our, our advertising media, so anything advertising related got got hit quite hard and, and remains to be sort of quite uh, in a bit of a tough place, should we say. But the communications um, side of our business, which was, I'd say much more, you know, most of our clients were in the corporate and public affairs space. That's been really quite resilient. The governments typically spend very aggressively in recessions and particularly in pandemics, as we found out, because... Um, they want to pacify their people. They want to ensure that their message that they're saying is consistent. Um, so actually that part of our business has been quite resilient. Um, also, we have quite a few clients in the B2B and tech space, and that's actually also proved to be quite resilient as well. But I don't think that they've made, meant that we've had, we're having a great year because everything is, you know, as, as we stand right now, it looks like um, they've dug the hole out that our advertising business um, left. So we, we, we will, I think we will end up the year on top, but um, nowhere near where we initially planned and, and, and still with our advertising revenues doing, you know, not as well as we expected, but ultimately um, I think we're in, we're in the right place. Thanks, Justin. Dan, how about for you? What's your perspective on it? Justin mentions that call. I remember it well. I had a call literally just on the back of that as well the same day with my with Martin, my FD. It was Monday, March the 16th. I was upstate New York and I'd had a hell of a few weeks um, since January. I was trying to take some, just kind of R&R really upstate, get some fresh air. And I arrived on the Friday evening and actually drove back to New York, uh, Manhattan on that Monday morning. I just had to turn around and come straight back. I thought this is this is seismic what's happening now. A stock market crashed that day. Um, you know, clients were just sort of bailing on everything they were doing really. 
Um, and the first thing that happened was people on, on fixed term contracts uh, were cut. We had you know several people who were in employment invoices were out just just cut left right away. Uh, we had three Australians that we placed uh, who were in their three month notice period decided to go back to Australia imminently like the next day. We actually lost a consultant ourselves, and he was based in uh, a London office. He's from Perth. He just he called me on the Sunday and said, "Look, I've got to go, mate. I've got to get back." So he just flew the next day back, got the last plane back to back to Perth. So mm-hmm. the, the the effect was was instant and sudden uh, on that that week, really. So that was a case of you know how are we going to operate at this point? Um, you know, we're going to re- reduce working uh, four days a week initially to 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 basically keep the, all the team on. We're fortunate to have really not made any redundancies, uh, you know, for, for a very, very long time. I was able to sort of batten down the hatches and and keep the team together, um, which was really important. But it was a massive effect. And, uh, you know, our, our pipeline was was actually very, very good going into March. Um, I had weekly and monthly dockings with the team leaders and the managers, past, present, future, past activity, present where at and future sort of pipeline. And it was all looking really strong uh, in all our territories. Um, Netherlands got wiped out, uh, London completely wiped out, and America too. It's been seismic, um, and it's been like that for a long time. And we're already seeing some sort of grassroots, you know, seeing patches of, of growth in different places and different parts of territories. Having a spread helps. Having different territories, you can kind of go with the flow where the activity's at. Um, we start to see a bit more activity coming at the back end of the summer. Obviously, here we are now mid-October. There's a sort of a, another wave, which is lockdown, which is coming. But, you know, the difference is this was expected. Uh, we were expecting this to happen. Uh, so we're kind of well-placed to deal with it. Whereas when it happened in March, it was completely out of the blue. So I admit it's been completely seismic. But what it has done is prompted us to look at things a bit differently um, and re-evaluate. And those, that, those months where we weren't necessarily doing the recruitment of placing people, we were able to take stock uh, create a good business plan, a good model, um, and sort of build an infrastructure. Uh, and this is, you know, we were going to be doing this sort of thing together anyway, me and Justin. Uh, we talked about that in January, February. So what we're doing now was something we were looking to do anyway. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's been seismic. I won't deny it, uh, but we're here for the long run. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, I think everyone listening will, you know, resonate with what you just described is – uh, is being seismic. Um, so you're now almost reinventing the business and and uh, making some changes. Can you elaborate on what you've got planned? Um, yeah, I mean, what we're offering now is uh, it, it's quite innovative. Um, it's basically essentially a licensee model um, where we've stripped down a lot of the costs and we've got a really core, strong support team uh, to in finance, operations, marketing, uh, team administrator, community manager, which is like the core sort of employee to the business and everyone else is offered uh, opportunities as partners. Uh, so they're basically working as their own business, um, but taking home 60, 70, 80% of their revenue. Um, so it's much, much, much higher commission. So we've always run a business at Daniel Marks anyway, which was uh, Justin too, of having quite experienced consultants. Most people had seven, eight years recruitment experience and they didn't necessarily need to be told on a weekly basis what KPIs to hit. Um, we wanted people to have autonomy, uh, responsibility, and to treat their own desk like a business. Uh, and that's, this is kind of an extension of that now. So people literally are running their own business, and they've got everything to do just to plug and play from a database, website, LinkedIn, job posting, support, finance. So they can really focus on the recruitment, and we can take care of everything else for them. Um, so it's an interesting model. It puts the onus on the individual to perform. Uh, but if they do at the lower end, at that rate, if someone isn't billing that much, they still take home, you know, enough to get by. But at the top end, you know, the 80% margin, you know, that's a lot of money. Um, and we worked it out. All of our team in London and New York were making at least double, sometimes three times as much they would have made on the original model, uh, which was a, wow. a lower commission. So the more I talk to people about it, it's almost like a, an earworm it gets in their mind they, they think about it and go actually this is interesting um and the more they think about it the more i speak to friends and family and go do you believe i can do this and support structures there people actually get quite quite excited about it and the longer it thinks they think the more they kind of come back to me and say look i really want to pursue this so um I'll, yeah it's it's, it's it's a new model um uh and it's, it's been very successful so far and people are really enjoying having the responsibility, autonomy, and actually reaping the benefits of their good work. 
Fantastic. It's a, it's quite a radical departure from the way you were structured before. Justin, what sort of inspired you to, you know, to, to reorganize the business that way? Yeah, I think the, the goal really was to look at, you know, I think Dan and I had grown our own businesses beforehand and we saw that the model beforehand was, you know, needed some shaking up. It needed uh, a fresh approach and a fresh touch. And also we, we were building budding entrepreneurs and this is a great way of them feeling, still feeling part of um, a family but also being able to take away the maximum amount of their earnings as well. So it just, it just seemed to, to tick all the boxes. And also we wanted to create something that was a point of difference for our consultants and for our partners where they are now, which, which was that they could really feel like they were owning the business that they were running. And also they could share in the joys and also share in the, you know, in the, in the frustrations that happened. And it, it, you know, I think, Dan and I also shared some frustrations about manager. You know, you hear it on multiple podcasts and even on your own. A lot of businesses have really struggled with hiring talent. You know, it's the the biggest irony, isn't it, that recruitment businesses tend to struggle with hiring recruiters in their business. So we felt this was a great way of getting um, experienced, you know, uh, experienced individuals who really wanted to take on their own business entity and felt they were up for the challenge and, and could plug into our, understand our sectors, plug in and plug into an established brand uh, and, and, and a client base and do really well. Um, now, there, there is obviously being a, the geographical element of our business. That, that doesn't mean that what we've learned um, is that not everyone can flow in the same fashion. So um, Dan uh, has, has managed to sort of plug in and play pretty well in um, Europe, UK, and US. I think it, for us in the in the more emerging market, and I, and I take that as my territory in Middle East and Asia, we're running more of a hybrid model because for expats, there is this element that to get in the country, you need to have a salary. So we're working out a bit of a hybrid model that can work for them. And in Australia, you know, elements of it work quite well. Um, but other sort of rules and regulations that Alan's having to sort of uh, navigate as to how we can get it to both work to work. But the reality is that we can this concept we can build it out globally. We just have to play to some nuances in each in each individual region. Everyone who we had, there's an entrepreneurial spirit here. There's a case of you know, waking up on Monday morning and think this is something I'm doing, I'm building. Um, all these licenses we have, they're actually sellable. Uh, so if people build a business, they're making 100, 200, 300, 400K, and they're billing two, three, four, five years down the line, they might want to do something else, uh, and they can sell this license. Um, uh, it's, it's much easier to sell a license than it is to sell a, you know, a small recruiting business because you are the person. Uh, because it is plug and play, this is actually a sellable thing. So, you know, rather than making money for someone else and then leave and it's all sort of left behind you, you you you, you can sell it and actually take away the, the hard graft you've put in. So it's very motivating for people. It's, it's kind of liberating, uh, motivating, um, and it's, it's, it's like... It's a different way of doing it, but I think it's a modern way and it actually fits in this new situation with COVID quite well. It's brilliant. I, I think it's, uh, it's, it's a genius idea. Um, and it really addresses some of the frustrations of, on both, both sides, both from the employed recruiter, recruitment consultant's point of view, but also from the owner manager's point of view. I know you've both built big teams before and you've already highlighted a couple of the Frustrations. One is finding good people, and because recruiting can be a bit of a merry-go-round, where people, you know, go from firm to firm, and uh, so finding and and retaining good people is 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 difficult. Uh, number two is managing people and and the you know everything that goes with that. What what are you willing to share some of the frustrations that you guys had, which have kind of led you in this direction? I would say that, um, yeah, for me personally, like obviously there, there are some very specific um, frustrations that you can have for building a business in the emerging world, particularly somewhere like Dubai where there, you know, there's 11 expats to one local. So naturally you're building an expat business in, in, in a foreign land. So Dubai is a very transient country. 
um, you know, people come and go. So we were, we had people coming to the business, coming there because they wanted to live in the sunshine. They thought it was a great place to, but a lot of people go there on holiday, think it's great. And they want to then, you know, live and work there. Um, and sometimes I employed people who came in with great work ethics. And then all of a sudden they thought that they were still on holiday 24 um, seven. Other people whose partners perhaps had lost jobs there, which, by no fault of their own, they had to leave or they had a family illness or sickness, then they had to leave. So building that that continuous flow and having, you know, with the employee laws, which are quite strict there, that was that was tough. Um, and also when you live in somewhere like like Dubai was was great in the sense that when it was boomtown, it was on fire. You were hiring. People were in hiring mode. But I then saw the vulnerability of the market as well, because when the oil price um, changed in say 2016 from like $120 to like $20 overnight, the economy rapidly tanked and um, the employee laws there were very hard on, on, on me when I had a lot of people and not a lot of business anymore. So there was a lot of things that, that made me think about how the type of business I wanted to structure then. Um, and Singapore and Hong Kong, of course, have their own nuances as well. In Singapore, it's very much a and rightly so, a locals first policy. So, um, you know, we, we had to change our stance from saying Dubai when we were quite an expat business into being, we have to be more of a local orientated business. And if we're going to hire expats, we need to make sure that we have a certain amount of locals in order to sustain that. And in Hong Kong, we were, where things were going great, then last year, without anyone's warning, we had riots to contest with, mm. which were, um, you know, they weren't in the script. <laughs> so, um, you know, one thing I, I, you know, again, so that's the three territories say that I look after, they each have their own nuances and differences and challenges that you have to face. Mm. So, so yeah, that's, that's, that's been my experience. Interesting. Dan, what were you going to say? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's been a journey. I set the business, Daniel Marks, in 2006. Um, and 2008 was when the, the crash happened back then. So when we looked to start growing the business in 2010, uh, there wasn't really any recruiters that had a year or two or even three years experience because no one was hiring in 2008, 2009, 2010. So you either had to sort of grow your own talent or you had to spend a lot of money for people who had three to five years experience plus had weathered the storm and knew what they were worth. So being a small business and looking to grow, we end up running uh, grad schemes for, for younger crews to train. We ran, uh, we had like 150 applicants and picked basically the best two. And we did that for three years in a row. Um, and one of them, actually Nirmal Modi, um, he joined in the first wave. He's still you know, with the business for nine years, progressed to director uh, last year. So that really helped from a growing our own sort of, a, you know, strong, strong people and strong culture. Um, the problem really comes when you get a bit further down the line when you're looking to take that next step and looking to appoint senior consultants who have got experience a lot of these 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 teams of these people done on the round robin they interview very well you bring them on board um they look like they're gonna like justin said the resume is great they interview brilliantly but some of them just don't work out and that's quite a big cost to the business um this new model actually if any, any company owner running a business will lose revenue or lose income on having people that don't work out. And that naturally affects the mission that the successful people are getting because there's less to give to the successful people because some people haven't worked out and it costs the business quite a lot of money. Uh, in this model, there's no loss to the business if people can't do it or it doesn't work out necessarily. So that means that the money is re-injected into the successful people, hence why the commission is so high. Um, but we had quite a legacy of, of long, you know, quite good retention rates, I'd say. We had a lot of people with us for four, five, six, seven, eight years. Uh, and when we're looking to hire people now, we do want longevity. I do want longevity. I want people who haven't job topped. It's very easy to go from one job to another. Uh, we want people who have really sort of built a desk, know their market, aren't job hoppers, uh, and really have a craft and a specialism. Um that, that for me is one of the biggest indicators. Someone has been in five jobs in five years. And I know there are reasons why and people have hiccups um, and we're, we're very wary of that and, you know, accommodating to that. But if there's a general theme of, you know, trying this, trying that, trying that, that's not going to be right for us because this is like a business that's a long-term thing. It's not like a job for a year. This is something where they join and they build something. They've got all of our support. They're bought into the business. Um, they're given like personal branding and everything you need to, to develop themselves. So there's a big commitment on our part too. So we do want the right people. Um, so yeah, there, there's certain indicators that we've learned. I know Justin has too. You know, I've 
had you know, at any one point, sort of 30 consultants just in London alone. So you have a certain amount of hiring going on all the time and you do pick up um, just over time uh, and now, I suppose. I'm sure you have, Justin. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Look, it's, um, I think what I, you know, I, I, I love running a business and there are certain parts of it that I've, that I've always enjoyed uh, you know, I love the, the feel of a business, the, the, the machinery of it, the um, picking up clients, watching people be successful in the firm. I, I love that. I think um, what, what I've learned, though, as I've got a bit older is I've got a bit of a no asshole policy, if I'm, if, if I'm honest with you, is that I want to hire, you know, like minded, good individuals. And I think as I've got older, my, um, you know, particularly with this system that we've got, even though we've changed it, is that we want people that can become part of our culture as well. You know, that we keep the culture together. That I, you know, I, I look back on the 10 years we recently um, had, had the business in Dubai and I look back at those sort of harmonious time and it was great. The lovely time was when we had sort of that brilliant culture of 10 people together and it felt like a family and I want to try and recreate that. And in each of the different hubs that we are, and that is my goal. And so, you know, I, I, I think, you know, I, I don't think breeding recruiters is always is, is is as long as you've got good clients, you've got a good business revenue stream, and the markets that you work in are, are producing that 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 can be quite easy. But what I learned, you know, I've had since setting up the business, I've had to compete with a pandemic. I set up in a global global financial crisis. I've had a pandemic to compete with an oil price crash. So I've learned that, uh, and apt that it's the name of your um, podcast, Mark, but I've learned that resilience is mm. the greatest virtue that I need in people as well. Absolutely. Since you're listening to this podcast, it tells me that you're someone who's interested in personal growth and business improvement. That's something we have in common. I really enjoy listening to podcasts, reading, and listening to business books, watching TED Talks. But by far the most important investment I've made in my own development has been working with a coach. It started back in 1999, 2000, when I was working as a recruiter. I hired a coach and he helped me to double my billings in 90 days. It was, it sounds corny, but it was really a life-changing experience. Since then, I've worked with various coaches almost continuously over the years, and it's made a massive difference to my own personal and business success. In fact, that first experience of working with a coach was the catalyst for me ultimately deciding that much as I loved recruitment, my true purpose was to become a coach and enable others to achieve their full potential. Fast forward to today, and I work with recruitment business owners to help them escape the feast and famine roller coaster and create consistent, predictable billings. If you'd like to know more, you can apply for a free strategy session at recruitmentcoach.com forward slash breakthrough. Would both of you please speak briefly to like, what would you say has been the most challenging or adverse circumstance or, or issue that you've had to deal with and 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 how did you come through that um i'll just leave that open whoever wants to go first i, I don't mind i'll go justin um, go for it yeah i'd say most recently for the first time in my life i experienced a uh, um, a form of burnout if you want to call it that um i would i will say that you know doing you know reskinning our business and forming the alliance that we have um all the the stress that goes with that and then being with a pandemic thrown in on top of that i, I you know i have three lovely children um i'm set you know my wife has a startup i'm you know i've been separated from my family in the uk because singapore's policy is very much that the borders are closed you know i and, and that kind of working from home and full-on nature of it that is i and, and all my colleagues as well have, have, have felt that way i think that's probably been one of the most challenging things i've ever had to to deal with in my working life um even though we've got through this successfully i think that anxiety of you know for me personally because i'm still very active in recruiting it's been you know making sure i try and deliver on everything making sure all my um, colleagues are motivated that they can deliver on everything 
and, and, and just the fear that we might not have anything else next week because you never know where this pandemic is going. I think getting through this period has probably been one of my most challenging periods. And, and I had, a, you know, I had a little insight into what working in a challenging period will be like with having a business in Hong Kong during the riots and in Dubai during the oil price crash. But I don't think anyone really experienced a global pandemic before. So that has probably, you know, getting through that. And, and I'm pleased to say that we are getting through that. And I'm certainly getting through that after a bit of a dip. That's been one of the most challenging things to, mm. to deal with. Justin, thank you so much for being open and sharing that, because I think a lot of people will be able to relate to what you just said. Um, when, like, at what point did it kind of, did you sort of hit the wall and, and feel that level of burnout, you know, that you hadn't really experienced previously? And, and, and how did you get through that? Yeah, Looking back on it, I think it was just a, a, a series of small things that started to build up over time. So when this first started in, uh, well, we're in um, October now. So when this first started in March, you know, everything, everyone thought this would be a temporary blip. So, you know, shut down the office, everyone goes to home, you know, and then Dan and I had these ongoing discussions about putting DMCG together. And then you know, I think we all, everyone, in my mind, this was a temporary blip. And as the temporary blip became ever more extended, you realize that you were now delving into the world as this is what the working life is going to be like for the, you know, for the foreseeable. And making sure the team were motivated, making sure our business that we've just, re you know, basically we've brought three companies together. We've created a new business, making sure that works efficiently. Dan and I continue to hire people during this period. Don't forget that making sure my, you know my my family had the the money was coming in that my family was safe and secure and happy dealing with homeschooling dealing with <laughs> homeschooling and like a gazillion zoom calls all of those things started to add up and i think by september when business you know business, our business had started to really pick up from midsummer so by september we were back to levels that we were pre-COVID, which was great, but we were delivering it with fewer numbers because we had to let a couple of people go. Um, and it was, I think, the anxiety and pressure and then the delivering on that, my my wife and I sat in different different rooms together. I, it, it, all, it all came to a, um, it, it, all, it all came to the forefront about a month ago. And I realized, you know, I'd be drinking more than I should have done, that I wasn't, you know, just all little things that add up, you know, that I had my exercise regime slightly slipped and I quickly got them back into, back into play. And uh, two weeks later, I felt all right, thankfully, but I did put a post out on LinkedIn about this and it was phenomenal to see the response and how many people actually felt the same. It's such a good Justin's made because you talked originally about the biggest challenge and I, I, I like you, Justin, I wouldn't have said it's actually a particular thing. It wasn't like, for the 2008 economy crash, or it wasn't about an individual consultant leaving or a client doing something. It's almost like death by a thousand cuts. As a business owner, there's stuff happening every day, all the time, uh, and it can build up, I suppose. Um, there's a responsibility that I felt in March to look after everybody. Um, they are like a family. I didn't want to lose anybody. Um, I wanted to make sure everyone was, was, was able to pay their bills, was able to, well, just kind of, I wanted to shield everyone from the effects of what was really going on around them um, and create a sense of safety for people, which is quite a big responsibility. I think managed to get through that. Okay. Um, that's the challenge, I suppose, in, in just trying to just, just keep you on top of things and making sure that you've got your wits about you and that you're, you're playing the right cards at the right time uh, and you're releasing the right messages at the right time and you're able to, to keep control of the situation without being too over the top about it. Um, but in this last six months, nine months has been a very challenging period for anyone in recruitment, anyone in, all over the world right now. Um, I think people are, you know, dealing with it in their own way. And Justin has been very great in actually noticing it, recognizing that, actually dealing with it, and now coming out the other side, you know, and talking about it is is admirable. Yeah, I'd love to get a link to that post, Justin, and we can share it in the in the show notes. Um, that you know that post you got a great response to. Um, Dan, so for you, how, um, like what steps did you take to make sure that you were able to do what you felt responsible for doing, which was making sure that you and your family, but also the, 
you know, the, the well-beings of your team members were, were looked after? Like, what were the specific steps around that? Well, there's a lot of communication. I, I think that week I went upstate, I was, I was just going to switch off, and the guys in New York was, and girls in New York, Penny and John, were saying that you know, you've earned a bit of time to switch off. You've been so hectic. We had a lot of people from London come to the New York office throughout January and February. So they were here, there was lots of meetings. It was very full on, pretty much right up until middle of March when I was due to have that week off. Um, so coming back from that, it's this case of communicating. I was on the phone, you know, I was actually walking around. I've got the ba- I live in Brooklyn. I've got like a basement I work from. And I was just pacing around on the phone. I remember looking at my phone and I'd done 28,500 steps a, a day. Um, it was about 14 miles or something. I, I looked at my phone. It was like that every day. You know, and actually, I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a marathon every two days. And that was just me on the phone, walking around the apartment, talking to people. And I was going hoarse. It was just talking to everybody as often as I could, uh, reading the room, looking at the news, but not too much looking at the news. Um, and that's kind of how I dealt with it, really, just trying to talk to as many people as I could uh, and, and just reassuring them and, and letting them know what we're doing uh, and giving what I would say not overly regular updates, but I'd like to think enough updates so people know that we're in a safe place and here's what we're doing and here's how we're mapping it out. Um, and obviously, yeah, that, that's how I handled it. But it's more like it was mm-hmm. a in the deep end situation rather than uh, planning that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think what, what you're describing of you almost can't over communicate. And uh, it's I think you did the did absolutely the right thing. Um, I'd like to switch gears a little bit and uh, ask about the the opposite, like the because this business is full of highs and lows, and we've talked about some of the low points, and and then how to get yourself back out of the trough and and you know um, advancing up the peak again. Um, but let's talk about some of the some of the highs and some of the real achievements you guys have had. Um, Justin, turning to you first, I know that in spite of everything that's going on and all the turmoil and all the like rebrand and everything, you've still been able to produce some seriously big. Uh, numbers in terms of personal production. Would you speak a little on that? Like, how have you managed to pull that off? Yeah, I, I think uh, I think what I said before was just brought on to the fact. You know, I'm, I'm I've got a very strong work ethic. I work um, I work a lot of hours, and you know, I've 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 got ten years of clients sort of history behind me in our region. And what I was quite, I think, as I said before, was uh, quite surprised about was was resilience of our clients. So. Um, I, I think I'll personally build close to a million dollars this year, which, um, you know, which will be a great achievement to come through. And actually our numbers will not be that far from um, where we were on the year before. So whilst we had that blip, you know, we've managed to quickly get things going. I think a strong new business strategy combined with the fact of, of extreme fortune of having clients that, you know, particularly in the PR side, our public affairs and government affairs division have accelerated and some really good tech and startup brands have received, should we say, um, support that they never knew they were going to get. This period of COVID has really injected um, some testosterone into their business that they didn't know was there, was going to happen. So they've gone on big hiring drives. So that's been you know, through through all this turmoil for for the for, for our region, I guess we we have actually come out of this pretty well. Um, and I know from talking to to Alan as well in Australia that you know I think the government support programs have been really good for his business. I think that's really been uh, for the SME sector that's been fantastic. And um, he's met, you know the, it looks like or putting Victoria State to one side. You know the, the Australian market where and he's got a very strong business in Perth has done pretty well. Um, and let's not forget my Hong Kong business has got, you know, although it's it's in Hong Kong, a big part of its revenue stream is in China. And China is set to be the only market this year to come out of the, you know, ironically, given where this started, but it will come out of this in growth um, and is already showing that. Fantastic. So it sounds like a few things lining up there, which is the intersection of, you know, a huge amount of hard work and, and experience on your side, combined with some good fortune of, you know, the markets that you're, that you're operating in, um, the intersection of those things means you're, you're actually having a, a very good year. Um, Dan, for you, what, what would you say has been a highlight or like one of the things you are most proud of in, in, in your business? 
Um, I suppose it would be the development of the people we've had for many, many years. Um, we've always had very core, strong, like mission statement and values. Uh, we had that at Daniel Marks. We've got a kind of a new set of mission statement and values um, for DMCG Global. And I've always wanted to promote people really based on living the values. Billing is also extremely important, but I'd put the values above that. Um, you know, I want team players, I want people who are collaborative, I want people who are, you know, like Justin said, good people. Um, billing needed to be there, but if people weren't living the values, they weren't going to progress. So we're quite quick to sort of, I suppose, move people along that, that weren't living those values, which kept a really core bunch of really good people who I'm really proud now, uh, you know, have taken an opportunity of building their own businesses with experience they've got. So having launched like maybe 25 licenses now, 25 unique businesses, I'm really proud that those people have done, been able to do that. Um, but it was a journey to get to that point, to build those relationships that I've had the last you know, dozen years with the staff that we've had and the staff that we have now. I mean, we, I remember we had a, one highlight was definitely, we had a, we hit our targets. So we, like two years ago, we flew 25 people to Dubai for a week. Uh, people from New York, from London, uh, you know, we hired a boat. It was a wonderful time. It's almost like the heyday and having a really nice time. I was very proud. I met a friend and he came with me on the boat. I felt very proud of having that group of people and everyone having a really nice time on the business. And they'd earned it. They'd really earned it. And uh, um, that, that for me was a very proud moment. I see pictures looking through your phones. Oh, yeah, I remember that. That was that was really good fun. I just don't see that happening right imminently <laughs> with, uh, with what was going on. But that for me was a very proud moment and giving people the success and the rewards for the hard work that they've done. Awesome. Justin? Yeah, I just want to say something else um, that I really think in times of you know, adversity, you always see good people rise to the top and you always, see, you know, I think that has been one of the things that I've really noticed within the businesses. You know, we, we, we brought together a group of people that didn't really know each other that well from different corners of the world and everyone's bonded fantastically well you know every we've got our group whatsapps um we've got we share content all the time everyone's incredibly supportive of each other from you know and and we are literally on every corner of the world and that's been really wonderful to see and i think personally for for me I've really seen, um, you know, Adam and Pete in, in my team, they've become, you know, we called, we set up a little three amigos WhatsApp group when this, you know, because we were marooned in three different places, you know, and it's, it's seeing sort of some of the, the way that the, some of the staff have really dug deep and not let something as big as a pandemic get in their way and show that remarkable resilience and determination that you need is to be a successful recruiter um, really sort of come to the forefront. But the amalgamation of the team, the collaboration, the inclusion that everyone has, um, and those are real values that um, Dan and I are very passionate about has really um, sort of seemed to have stemmed through that, the entire business and organization. And, and I think actually one of the things that COVID has, has done is, is press the fast forward button, a lot of things that could be, you know, it, the fact that we're doing this from different corners of the world on VC, you know, the fact that technology has, be, has, has become such a, played such a pivotal role now in the recruiters or just everyday life has been really interesting to see the fast forward button press there. But I think the whole diversity question as well, um, it seems to have really sort of pressed the accelerator button uh, on the DNI space as well. And that's been um, something that we've always preached and been very passionate about. And, it's, and, and uh, it's good to see our clients now paying so much attention to that. It's become a real thing now that we've always been talent finders. And for several years now, I've always been talent finders of diverse talent. And that's become even more prerogative because lots of candidates are out in, in the market now. But our clients are coming to us for that diverse talent because they're not in their, their wheelhouse uh, and they need us to reach out to those people and represent those people uh, and really help them find that talent. So that, again, like Justin mentions, diversity has become even more prevalent now uh, during COVID. And that's what we've found our unique skills in sourcing, ref uh, working off references, recommendations and networking. I mean, one of our team in, in account handling in London, say, uh, I, I said this the other day, uh, Nermal, Kate and Kelly work client services in London. Um, between them, they've got 21 years experience recruiting client services people in London. Uh, they're meeting on average, uh, you know, five consult, five uh, account handlers a, a, 
a week. You know, we're looking at six, seven, eight thousand account handlers they've met between them in person. So that, that that specialism and that unique sort of experience that they have, that's that's worth quite a bit. Um, and that's that's more than a little black book. Uh, that's that's developed over years and years and years of doing it and doing the job very well. Um, Amazing, Dan. Can I? Can you guys elaborate on the diversity and inclusion piece a little bit? Because you, you mentioned that you're passionate about it, and it's um, it's something you've always done, and now clients are uh, embracing it more and more. But you know, what are the specifics around that? How have you been able to um, recruit? You know, deliver diverse shortlists, and and um, like what what is the actual st- strategy there? Um, it's a good question. I mean, we ran an event with the IPA in London in 2004, and it was all uh, 100. We sponsored it. It was 150 business leaders from agencies and talent, and everyone split into groups. And things that were coming up were these, these things that are very common and spread now. I, mean, I know diversity has been an issue for years and years and years, but it's only been the last, sort of, I'd say, eight years that it's been really on everyone's tongues. Um, and we saw that back in 2003, 2004. It's why we launched the Big Bang Creative Internship Scheme with the Prince's Trust. Uh, the planning academy for different strategies from diverse walks of life and uh, for us we've been trying to bring talent in from diverse backgrounds at the grassroots level for a number of years and those initiatives that we run are, are free for our clients but that that, that helps um, but what we can offer is finding diverse talent for people who um, are maybe coming different walks of life and different skill sets come from recommendations and they, they're the ones that we can able to find opportunities for. And I think we can offer, if our product uh, is, is people, we can offer a product that is the product that they need and we can find those people. That's our that's our job. Awesome. Justin, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I, I you know, um, I, um, I it's, it's a subject I feel very passionate about, but also one um, I, I've kind of lived with for five years. <laughs> five years as well my my wife set up um a um first of all a, a, a business specifically like my, my what my wife realized when she worked at an advertising agency and after she had our first child was that you know being a new mum all of a sudden if you're in the creative industry and being a new mum there were there appeared to be fewer options available to you and the fact that she needed to work flexible hours meant that she was essentially ousted out of the agency so what she then said well she ousted herself out because she didn't like the attitude what 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 um what she then set up was was a a a platform which i co-founded with her which was basically a a platform that enabled um new mums and women to find flexible work opportunities and from that we've um i've worked very closely with her and, and helen my wife has now gone on to develop a technology platform which specifically finds um diverse talent for organizations it is actually a you know it's a it's a tech sourcing platform so you know that's something that we're going to be integrating into dmcg to give us sort of a point of difference um and also i think it's it, it's just quite evident in the way when we talk to clients how they now pay more attention to wanting diverse talent i mean I, we've been uh, even in the middle east and asia which let's be honest has not been sort of well known for its um fast movements when it comes to, you know, perhaps bringing in diverse talent. And now even some of our clients there are really key on bringing in female leadership or diverse leadership from different um, walks of life, uh, which is, you know, just really fantastic to see. Awesome. I'll, uh, I'll put a link to Helen's uh, website in the show notes, but it's diversely.io, right? That's right. Speaking of, uh, you know, website addresses and so on, like what it, I'm, if someone's listening to this right now thinking, this is such an inspiring story, I want to be part of this, or I want to find out you know, more about what these guys are doing, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Um, well, our website is simply uh, dmcgglobal.com. So okay. dmcglobal.com. Um, uh, you know, myself and Justin and all of our team, uh, you know, on LinkedIn, um, were there. Uh, I think we had a bit of uh, a to and fro with you actually, Mark, at the weekend. I think you put a post up on Saturday saying, is anyone reading this? And uh, Justin said, absolutely. And I think I was a minute behind saying, uh, yeah, absolutely, proactively and reactively. Like, uh, for me, it's almost, <laughs> I, I've, I've drunk from the Kool-Aid, uh, I'm on it. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know, I don't know, I, I don't think I go more than five minutes without checking my phone on an email or, uh, um, but then you know, dealing with Sydney, 
for me, that's that's late in the evening for me. And I'm dealing with the UK, that's like five in the morning. So yeah, I kind of have to be on it all the time. So it's almost like a trip effect for me. It's, it's almost like a way of life. <laughs> it's a, you know, it's a double-edged sword that because on the one hand, um, it's it's important to be available and responsive to your, your customers. But on the other hand, you know, the danger is, as Justin described earlier, of burning out. And, you know, if you're, that's the problem with the, the phone and social media is that you're connected all the time. So you never really leave the office. It's always kind of there. And I posted that um, message, who else is on LinkedIn this morning on Saturday? And that message is at 100,000 views in 72 hours. And um, just goes to show, and I was, it was kind of testing because I was like, I don't know if it's worth posting content on the weekend, but let's just see who else is out there. The response was so massive that um, on the one hand, I was pleased that I got so much traction. On the other hand, I was a little bit concerned because I'm thinking, I actually don't want to be on LinkedIn on the weekend. Uh, I, I probably should be instead being fully engaged with my kids or you know, instead of checking my phone. So, um, Justin has the uh, situation of having a Dubai market uh, in the Middle East and they, they start on Sunday. So, <laughs> right. Uh, unfortunately, your weekend is halved automatically. Crazy. So, where do you, where do you guys go from here? What's the, what's the vision for DMCG Global? I think, you know, Justin. for us, it's, we're, we're it's, embedding down that we've got 10 offices that's a lot of offices right uh, and we're also doing it in the middle of a pandemic so um i think it's you know there we're, we're getting there and we're uh, actually we're, we're not just getting there we're growing and we're really pleased with the progress that's being made we want to um, get more people to join you know ultimately we're liberating people we're giving the opportunity to work on something recruiters the opportunity to work in something they love in all sorts of corners across the world so we want to continue to grow that. Um, and we want, you know, we wear naturally through our business and the fact that we are in all these different geographical locations is that one story leads to another. So our goal is also to look at opening up new opportunities. And just this year, um, we had a big opportunity potentially to look at South Korea. Um, Thailand's a really interesting market, um, as well as some various other places in Asia. Um, and I know Dan's got his eye on growing all sorts of different parts of Europe and the US as well. Dan, anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I mean, Germany's a big market we're looking at. Um, the, the rest of mainland Europe for us, America's a big place. Um, I'm talking to different people in different states, um, which is something which is a lot of growth for us. I mean, longer term, there's no reason why we couldn't go north to Toronto or south to South America. But again, we want to make sure we're looking after our own shop, uh, our own business. We don't want to run too fast. Uh, we're just sort of steadily organically, sustainably growing the businesses in each of the territories that we're at. And I think having our own sort of remit in territories really allows that to happen. Um, we're always connected uh, to, the, to the places and the people that we're working with. Um, and for us, I think the, I'd like to see the businesses that have been established that are running the licenses, just, you know, d- d- developing it, growing it. Um, it's tough right now. The market is really tough, uh, you know, in the UK and US and Europe. Um, I think the, the word that comes to mind, and it actually my mum told me this years ago, uh, is character building. Uh, how you get through it, how you deal with it, you know, going through the rough times builds character and it makes you ultimately stronger. So um, I'd like to, you know, the people we have are, are developing it, they're doing it, they're, it's hard work, but they're getting success. And so we'd like to retain the people that we have and give them the support that they need, uh, but while also acquiring new licenses in the areas where there's growth and opportunity. Awesome. Shout out to Dan's mom. Words of wisdom. That's great. Um, <laughs> that was a brilliant quote, by the way. That, 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 that's, a, that's a sound bite in itself. What your mom <laughs> awesome. Justin, were you, were you about to say something there? I, look, I was just going to say, I think also um, growing, and, and Dan touched on it, growing steadily, like you know, the big lessons I learned and I know Dan has as well is, you know, the early days of running a business, I got a bit hyper excited and pressed the fast forward button on hiring people. I think sustainable growth and maintaining culture is absolutely critical to business success. So whilst mm. we are um, very, you know, Dan and I love the thought and, and Alan and Adam, we love the thought of, of growing our business. We also want to do it with people we like working with 
in the right way for us. Yeah. Here, here. That makes total sense. Guys, I've really enjoyed this. So thank you very much for coming on The Resilient Recruiter. It's been awesome. Thanks, Mark. Great, great title you have, the Resilient Recruiter. <laughs> I think any, any recruiter right now uh, that's still in the business is, is pretty resilient. <laughs> you said it. I agree. Well, listen, guys, I look forward to speaking to you, you both uh, very soon and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, Mark. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to The Resilient Recruiter. If you've enjoyed the show, the best way you can show your support is to click that subscribe button. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.